So thank you guys um, for eating your pizza in front of me. And um, this is the panel for State of the Scene. Um, I'm joined here by NEPA Scene founder and editor, Mr. Rich Howells. You can clap if you have a pizza in your hand. Um, Electric City Music Conference and Steamtown Music Awards. Ginger, yep. Mr. Joe Cattiston. And from Glory Torch Productions, Mr. Greg Schaefer. So, um, like everything, like you guys, I poorly prepared. <clears throat> so if we can, I don't know how you guys want to handle this, I'm used to Comic-Con and other shit like that, but if um, we, we tr I think we're gonna try, at least with me, and I'm on the next panel, is to be as frank and honest as possible within reason without incriminating ourselves or anything like that. So whatever questions you have, um, please feel free to answer unless they're personal, unless they're like, what does you know, Richard's back smell like? I can't be able to answer that. But you can ask it. So first off, I'd like to go through each one of you at a time, and I'd just like to ask the question, um, kind of like Capitol Hill. So, what what is the scene to you, and is it strong? Well, I, I think the scene to me isn't just the local music scene, but all arts and entertainment in the area. Um, there's, it seems like to me that there's a lot of different scenes in the area that are all doing a great job in their own right. Uh, a lot of them aren't connected. I think in the past maybe year or two, we're starting to see more events that, that do that. Um, that's kind of the aim of NEPA scene, to bring those different talents and, and different groups together to support each other. Uh, I think that's incredibly important because uh, a lot of times, even in like say the local music scene, for example, you might have the metal bands all stick together, the indie bands all stick together, that sort of thing. But I think there we've seen more of a breakdown of that recently where uh, you know people are going to support each other's shows. Uh, comedians are going to musician shows. I've seen comedians even open for musicians now. I think that's really cool. Um, there's a really a great local music, uh, a, a great local uh, comedy scene that a lot of people don't know about that's really starting to come into its own now. Uh, so I think that's great as well. Um, you know, the theater scene, you have something like the Scranton Fringe Festival, uh, who's uh, right over there actually. You should check out their table if you haven't uh, seen anything on the Scranton Fringe. Did, did you just yet. raise the roof? Okay. <laughs> I, neither am I don't see it. As you, as you should not. <clears throat> but yeah, they are, they're doing a fantastic job. And their, their stuff, too, is very, it's not just theater. Uh, they, have, they have music. Uh, they have comedy. They have all kinds of things in their event, too. And, uh, you know, there, there's a culture shock right up the road at Nayog Park today, too, as well. Uh, so there's so many different things going on. And uh, in terms of the, the state of the scene and where, where it's at right now, I think it's it's still a little too divided at the moment. I think there needs to be more unison. There needs to be more people working together. Uh, but it is it is getting better, and it's very underrated. I think, uh, and I'm sure we'll get into this later. But I think the biggest problem is just getting people to come out to shows and support shows. It's not. It shouldn't be all up to the artists to come out and support each other. 
uh, it should also be to, to people in general. And you see, um, you see, you see acts like uh, Breaking Benjamin, for example, who you know packed the pavilion last night and that sort of thing. But I remember just a few years ago when they were in small clubs and it was like their group of uh, supporters would go to see them, but they had to kind of go out of the area and get huge and get signed to record labels and things like that. And now they're packing the place. Now they can fill the pavilion. They can fill uh, you know the arena. And that should have happened years ago, you know. And they were just as talented years ago, and they were doing great things years ago. So uh, it's a matter of people just kind of giving things a chance and trying something new. I think people wait till something is validated by the general public first a little too much, and they don't explore for themselves. I mean, there's so many media publications in the area, so many websites in the area that tell you what's going on, that do interviews and stuff. Take a minute and check those out and look a little more into them, I think, you know, and you'll find, you'll be pleasantly surprised by how much is going on and the, the quality of the work that's being produced here. Thank you, Rich. Yeah, thanks, Rich. Thank you. Scholarly as usual. Mr. Cavison, yes. what is the scene to you, and is it strong? I think the scene is strong. Um, I think the Scranton scene is ever-evolving. Um, it's going to change again. It, it always has changed. Um, you know, five years ago, if you were doing a show, the only way to get kids out was if it was a hardcore show, a really heavy show, um, for the most part in this area. That's what was hot then. Um, now you're seeing more of a move towards, um, I just think, in general culture and possibly in general, um, more towards electronic music is like what's hot right now. Um, and that was kids that listen to hardcore music are listening to dubstep and stuff like that because it's just all bass drops, you know, um, in, in general. Um, Seven minutes of bass Yeah, exactly. Uh, but I really think that um, in Scranton, there's always a thriving scene in, in every. Um, genre of music, which is good. You know, there's always going to be your punk bands. There's always going to be your um, metal bands, your indie rock bands. It, it, it's very diverse. There's DJs. There's there's a great rap. I, I never knew much about the hip hop community until we started doing this. And I mean, the um, the new Penny Lounge was flowing out the doors last night for an, for our hip hop show. You know, it was awesome. I just didn't know it existed, um, except for a few people that I knew that did it. Um, the scene to me. Um, you know, I came up in, in the more of the punk rock hardcore scene of the Scranton area. I grew up at Cafe Metro. I grew up at Backstage Enterprises. Um, I was a little too young for CCs. I can never get in. I wasn't old enough. Um, I was old enough. Yeah, you, 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 but I know all the stories, you know. It's scary. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, um, for the younger guys, uh, like these guys at Revolution, you guys probably were never even at Cafe Metropolis, right? Like, that's not something that's, that you were, you were old enough to go to, you know. Um, and the Staircase Lounge, yeah, the Staircase Lounge was another place. Uh, so, you know, I came up in the music scene and I, I have no musical ability whatsoever. I can't sing, I can't play an instrument, you know, so my way to become part of the scene was to start putting on concerts, you know, so um, it was always inclusive. And there's times when it gets catty, there's times when there's, you know, scene beef or whatever you guys call it, you know, all that stuff. But, um. Uh, dry rub? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> But, um, you know, it, at the end of the day, if we don't support it, if the scene doesn't support it itself and each other, then that's where the problems come. Um, Rich elaborated on a little bit. Um, we have bands that, I, I mean, Scranton is a hotbed right now. Um, in my opinion, and it's not against Breaking Benjamin, the worst thing that ever happened in this area for about five years was the fact that Breaking Benjamin got signed. 
because every band wanted to be Breaking Benjamin, thought they could be Breaking Benjamin, but that was an enigma inside an enigma. Um, they won a they won a cover band concert uh, contest, and then they became an original band, and uh, so many things fell into place that. But the, this story started going around for some reason that they got signed out the backstage at the Staircase, which didn't happen. Um, so there weren't a million scouts in Scranton looking for the next Breaking Benjamin because Breaking Benjamin was the end of that, you know. So we kind of staled out for about five years where every band wanted to be Breaking Benjamin. And then you started seeing bands come out that were the complete opposite of it. And in the last five years, you, every label has said, I need a Scranton band. I need a Northeast PA band. I mean, you have... The Menzingers are signed. Title Fight, uh, Captain We're Sinking, um, Motionless and White. Um, yeah, so you have you have Motionless and White, which is your your heavy metal band, and and the what's that? Crowbot. Crowbot. Yeah, exactly. Possible. You have you have all these bands from this area that have gotten signed um, because they were doing their own thing. They weren't trying to emulate anybody. Every single band's different, and you, I mean, you can go to Cabinet was just named one of Rolling Stone's top bands, you know, and they're they're a bluegrass band. There's so much talent in this area. There's always been such a strong scene, and I attribute that to where we are. You know, we're Scranton. You got to work twice as hard to, to make people come to shows. You have to try to work twice as hard to um, validate yourself. You know, it's not Philadelphia, and it bugs the hell out of me when a band from Scranton gets signed and says they're from Philadelphia because this is where they're from. They're not from Philadelphia. <laughs> I've never done so, that. No, me either. But I've never been signed either. But you know, so the scene to me is you know basically everybody here, everything we're doing. Um, and if I can say anything, you know, try to experience as much as you can when there's events like this weekend, and there's a bunch of them that go on now. Um, the awards were really cool because, I mean, nobody in that room had ever seen Dishonored's Fiddlers before. You know, they're a bluegrass band, and people were blown away by them. Um, a lot of people had, unless you hang out at the V-Spot and Thirsties, you've probably never seen Azalina. She, like, tore the house down when she performed. People were going, going wild, you know, so if you get a chance, you know, and we, everybody here is either putting on a show, working on a show, playing a show. When you do have those nights off, it's try to experience something new. Check it out, support each other, because if there's only a hardcore scene, if there's only a hip-hop scene, you know, that's that's when it starts to, to get divided, and, and um, you're drawing from the same crowd constantly, so it's going to end up eventually hurting it. You know, we need diversity in it, but um, I'm going to stop rambling now and pass the microphone. I'm oh, sorry, Chuck. Um, <laughs> Mr. Shaver, same question. What is the CBU, and is it strong? Well, I mean, growing up in the scene around here, from back in even like the Manus Green days, I mean, the people involved with music and art in this area really end up being almost like a club, in my mind. Um, now that works for it and against it, though. Um, I think that from an outsider's perspective, sometimes it seems like there's an element of exclusivity to that club. And I think that that's a real issue with turnouts to shows and larger events and stuff because people see it and you know then maybe take the chance to listen to something a little new but somehow it seems un unaccessible to them oh I don't know anybody that goes there and I really think that that's a major thing that we have to find a way to get get people to draw and bring in some of those outsiders into the scene um I mean, the amount of talent in this area is its second to none. I deal with bands all over the East Coast, and when they come in and they hear the caliber of musicians in this area, they're like, they're, they're incredible, they're blown away by it. Um, it's compared to even like South Street or like the village up in New York, it's the diversity, the, the, the skill level of the musicians, it's, it's 
second to none, really. Um, but you do end up with that almost like a factionalization, like the hard kid, hardcore kids go to the hardcore shows, you know, the EDM kids go to the EDM shows. And I think that by trying to combine those, those little subgroups, I think that that would be very beneficial for us. Um, I think that from like a booking and promotion standpoint, a lot of people get nervous thinking, okay, well, you know, I'm not going to put an acoustic band next to like a black metal band. And I think that that might not be the way to go about that. I remember back in the mid-90s at the Manus Green, they used to do uh, Sunday hardcore, show, well, Sunday hardcore matinees is what they would call it. But you'd walk in, there'd be eight bands, full spectrum of the, of the rainbow. And everybody got along, and everybody, even if it wasn't necessarily your cup of tea, they got there and they supported they supported each other. And I think that that's really what we have to look at to try to bring that back, to get that cross-exposure. Maybe something that, you know, somebody's into the music, but they're not into maybe not that necessarily, that style necessarily. Um, I think if you book two bands that are completely polar opposites and they each bring in their own crowd and you get one person from crowd A that likes band B, that's a victory there. That's, that's cross-exposure and who knows, maybe the next time that band B is playing, they'll come out even if there's not a band A that they're really into. Um, overall though, I mean, the, the strength of our scene is definitely there. It, it seems like we're getting the momentum to like a rebuilding era right now and I think that that's I think that that's a positive thing um yeah well destruction always leads to construction exactly exactly well let, let me keep in mind with you then let me ask you this question where Rich doing like Comic Con it's like the it's like Knight Rider um so where where in your opinion and just generally do you think it's going wrong and where do you think it's going right um, well, to start with the wrong part of it, I, I do think that there needs to be a little bit more consideration, not necessarily just for an acts show in and of itself. I think that a lot of the acts locally need to be more aware of, okay, we're playing, you know, this Friday. What's going on that same Friday? Um, a lot of times you'll get a two bands that maybe have played together in the past, maybe share some fans and stuff, and, you know, everybody's excited, we got our show booked, oh, we got a great lineup, and there isn't the consideration that, you know, three blocks away, oh yeah, our buddies a band are also playing. I think that if there was a little more attention paid to not only what you're booking, but what everybody else is booking, I think that we could definitely improve our numbers. Well, can, can, can we move down the line and maybe focus on that where it's, it's like, you know, in, in my estimation, and look, I was in a really, epically shitty cover band in the early 2000s, and we didn't care where we played or what the strategy was to do it. We were just like, free beer! Um, <laughs> which is why we, one night we made $17 collectively. Um, but we drank a lot. But maybe, maybe you know, Joe and, and Rich, what's what's the what's the strategy? Like, what are the things that like you know artists aren't thinking about? And you know, he brought up a really great point about what what else is going on this night. You know, are we are we cannibalizing our audience? Are we are we because it's not just about like show up and play. There's a strategy to it, and it's like 
70% of it is like where you book, how you're booking, are you overbooking, are you, so could you guys want to expound upon that? Yeah, um, you're going to hear me talk a lot today about, <laughs> about oversaturation. Um, it's always been a problem around here, and I always will be, unfortunately. Um, if you're in a band and you're playing a show in Scranton, you should not play another show in Scranton for a month. It's not that big of an area. Um, you play the V-Spot, play the V-Spot once a month. The next month, play Thursdays. Um, play wherever you're going to play. Play it once a month. It's not big enough an area. Play Wilkesbury, you know. Play, play Scranton one, one weekend, play Wilkesbury next weekend. Playing four shows a month is splitting your crowd four times. Um, your average fan is not going to come see you four times a month. Your like fanatic fan is, or your mom and dad are, or you know. And, and I'm always going to talk about there's a difference between friends and fans. Um, your you, your fans are going to be people who you're going to develop a friendship with, but they're not going to be people who don't care about your music. You know, you're, you initially get them out there, you want to make them fans, but. Um, you, you really want to work on developing fans, and that's that's a tough thing for for young bands to do. Um, but oversaturating yourself, as Mark said, is is cannibalizing your audience. You know, um, you just can't play Scranton every single weekend. Um, do trade show, show trades. Talk to a band in Binghamton. It's a really easy job. Drive, bring them down for a show here. They're not going to draw anybody, but you're going to be the one drawing here. You want to go up there. They're going to be the one drawing there. Then the next time you go back there, you're the man that's drawing because you blew away everybody that's playing up there. You come down here. Same thing with Wilkesbury bands. The Scranton bands probably anymore gonna probably not draw that well in Wilkesbury. You know, in comparison, you're gonna be one of the other bands as a young band. You know, um, an older band will get people to want to drive down there, go to a certain bar or whatever. Um, there's no Cafe Metropolis anymore. There's there's no there's no all age venue, which really sucks. Um, really bad. Bands bands need places to be bad. That's I've been saying it since I was 18 years old. Um, like bands need places to be bad. Bands need places to be bad. Okay. Um, they good. do. That's for, no, it's a good. I they do. Want to hear um, it. You, you need every band is bad when they start. Hands down. If it's your first band, you're you're not good. You know. Um, and you deserve a place to play. And playing in your garage, you're not gonna go to the next, next level. I, I don't know how to work, but you're, you're not going to develop the same way as performing in front of a crowd. Cafe Metropolis is the best place in the world for that. I don't want to bring... I, Eleanor Rigby's was a good place for that. You know, we booked bands that could play in front of people and they maybe weren't that good yet, but they were on an off night, you know? So, so you get that chance to be in front of a live crowd. Your, your whole band dynamic's going to change when that happens. But um, that is the biggest problem with our scene right now is there's no place for a band to be... A shitty band. Well, it's not, it's not like I don't think I don't think that you're saying like hey you're bad. I think you no, gotta work. You're out. new. It's, yeah, not, yeah. it's how do you get the Carnegie Hall? You, you practice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. First time you sit down, you know, yeah. you're not ready for the Carnegie Hall. You got to get better, you know. And there needs to be a time and a place for that. And right now you don't. Listen, Vinny doesn't want you in there for the first time, falling over yourself trying to figure out how to play. You know, no. T definitely doesn't. He's probably gonna throw you out. You know, like you just need. To be in the right spot at the right time, you know, and, and there's steps that you develop. You know? <laughs> Turn down and get out. Um, so it's just that's what's that 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 to me is is what is hurting this area the most. Um, and also, I can't fault there for not being because I did it, and it's not an easy thing. Your insurance is way higher. People are so happy, 
you could never have a CCs these days. People were like breaking their noses on a nightly basis there. You'd be sued and you'd be done in a week. Well, that was the, that was the reason why I had to stop doing the shows at my place. They wanted an insurance company. was like, yeah. we need 10 grand a year. I'm like, I don't even, that doesn't even cover anything. Yeah, it's, it's hard enough. Yeah. Yeah. And that's every venue needs that. Exactly. Oh, yeah. yeah. I was sued three times. That we got a hat trick or legal trick. We won, but we got sued constantly. You know, a kid tried to hug a band member. The guy knocked him out because he didn't know him and broke his arm, and I got sued. Where's the love? Where's the love? Exactly. Wait, so, do you want to expound upon, you know, like, well, the strategy of it all? Well, he, he, uh, he brings up uh, the... Uh, a good point, I think, uh, that I, I think is a big problem with the area. There's way, way too much negativity. Everybody is so busy talking about how the scene's dead. Uh, I hear that a lot, which is hysterical because it's just, you stopped going to shows, therefore your version of the scene is dead. But there's plenty of other bands that are still playing from years ago, and new bands that are coming up all the time, new musicians that come up all the time. So there's never a lack of anything to do around here. That's another big one. Oh, there's nothing to do around here. And it's like, Jesus, how many more uh, media publications or things do you need to tell you what's going on for you to come out to a show? Like, you know, stop talking about how there's nothing to do and, uh, you know, tearing down the area. If I hear one more joke about, like, potholes or something in this area, like, give it a rest. We get it. Okay. Like, they don't pave the roads around here. It doesn't mean the whole area is a giant sinkhole we should all fall into. Like, get over yourselves, go to a show, and enjoy yourselves. And, and here's the other thing, is uh, social media is, is uh, you know, you want to talk about getting stuff out there. Uh, social media is very important, and I find that people are way too negative on social media, too. They go there to, uh, as, as kind of, a, it's just a big drama fest where, you know, people are just kind of pouring their lives out. And I found that, um, like, if, if I have those kinds of opinions, I just don't put them on social media. I just keep them to myself. My friends and family know how I feel about things, but I don't put it on social media. And it's all positive all the time. And as running, uh, with running any PA scene, for example, uh, everyone, like, we try to keep everything about 99% positive. Everything that we do in the area, uh, we're trying to promote and we're trying to help people and we're trying to get people to go to shows. So, of course, we're going to be positive. Every once in a blue moon, we have a negative post. And it's not something that goes out and targets anyone. It may just be like uh, when Mountain Sky, for example, great venue, was having some trouble with their permits and they were in danger of closing. Uh, something like that gets more views, more clicks than me saying, hey, go to the show at Mountain Sky. Look at all the great things they have going on there. People would just rather read negative stuff and share negative stuff. That's the other thing, too, is when we post a, a story that's negative about something, it gets more shares, more likes, people are talking about it. And so that's why media is the way that it is. I mean, media is often blamed as, you know, oh, you're stoking the fire, you're making things worse, whatever. But that's what gets clicks, and therefore that's what gets traffic, and that's what keeps you in business. So it's this vicious cycle where people say that they want to see more positivity, but they don't spread more positivity. So I think we saw more bands, like he said before, uh, helping each other out. Like, hey, maybe you don't have a show tonight? Go on social media and say, hey, my friend's band is playing tonight in another place. That's a way to talk about the, the scene in a positive way as opposed to saying, well, 
my band's not playing tonight, so stay inside and watch Netflix. You know, like, don't bother going out and chill. Yeah, <laughs> Netflix and chill. Uh, but, and I also see, I, I guess in terms of uh, making, uh, a, a way to make things better too, is um, not only do bands need to get better with social media, uh, and fans do as well. I think fans should be plugging their friends more, saying, hey, look, I'm going here, you know, like you should come out and support this, that sort of thing. Uh, and bands who reach out to media, I think there's kind of a disconnect where there's a lot of gimme, 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 and not a lot of help. Because like any PA scene, for example, is completely independent. Like we don't have some large media corporation that's cutting me paychecks every week to do what I do. So uh, a lot of awesome. It would be great. It would be great. It just isn't happening. And uh, and when when that does happen, you you lose a lot of creative freedom, and uh, a lot of media becomes uh, who you know and uh, who you're connected to, and that sort of thing. And you get written out. Uh, I get a story based on uh, you know oh, I'm friends with this guy, and he's going to help me out with a story, as opposed to well, this is a legitimate act that we should be writing about. Who cares whether they're you know well known or not or that sort of thing. And um, I wish I would see more people that would reach out in maybe a, a positive way and say, hey, how about, you know, if you could do a story for me, I'll help plug, so, you know, uh, uh, NEPA scene all this week. I'm going to go tell all my friends to check out NEPA scene. I'm going to go on social media. I mean, I've done stories on bands that haven't even plugged the interview that I did with them. Like, I did a full interview, I took hours and hours out of my time to do a big story on you, and you didn't even put it on your Facebook page. And that's really frustrating, because it's like, you know, that's your main base, that's who you want to talk to. You're supposed to, you know, we're supposed to be a team helping each other, and you don't see that a lot. Um, a lot of people are just, they, they, they expect that, well, media is here to serve me, and it's like, well, that's all well and good, but especially in, in you know, a, a case of a small site like mine or Highway 81 Revisited or something like that. I mean, we're doing that because we love it and we enjoy it and we're passionate about it. So we want you to be passionate about us as well and to help us out. So, you know, just that, you know, once a week going on social media and saying, hey, check out NEPAC.com or even plugging our stories, you know, just because they're not related to you doesn't mean that you can't push those stories as well. I, I just thought, like, you had fucking time to take a picture of your burrito, but you can't Right. <laughs> and it, so it, let, it happens well, a lot. Well, let me, let me kind of say, I mean, do you guys, I, I kind of think of us as the elder statesmen of this group, and not because we're seasoned, it's just because we're older. Um, we've seen a lot of shit. I'm the oldest. Um, so, it, it, you know, you know, we, you and I grew up on MTV. I think you did too. I remember seeing the first director on the music video. You know, that was a big deal. And if anyone it cares to know, it was Brett Ratner, director of the famous Rush Hour movie. It was for Public Enemy. Um, but do you think that we've turned into, um, a, I wouldn't say a society, but more of a culture of like, it's all about me. And there's no synergy with helping everyone else because, you know, McDonald's is like, I, w I want a Big Mac, here's money. You know, there's been a transaction and a trade that has done there, but most of it's like, well, why can't you just give me the Big Mac for free? Right. And is, and is that, do you guys think that that's part of the problem or it's like not every, like you don't realize like, to me, the way I grew up, if you put in eight hours of helping me out on something, I'm obligated to put in eight hours to help you out on something. And is that, maybe that's more to the point of what is being 
especially amongst the community? Is that what you're trying to? Yeah, I, I think that's that's part of it. I, I think you know, to to be fair, uh, you know, I think a lot of people pick on millennials and they pick on the younger generations and stuff because of social media. I think I don't think the me generation started with with uh, you know social media. I think it's just more visible now. I think it's just that you know, uh, I mean, a lot of people they're they're you know you're so caught up in your life, especially as you get older. You know, you get into that you know work, family, home, work, family, home. You know that kind of thing, and and you. You, you, your world is just that, you know, so, so that's what you're talking about, that's what's on your mind, and that sort of thing, and you're not really broadening your horizons, you're talking about other things and stuff like that, like, I think it's, you know, like, if you're going to post your food on social media, plug the restaurant that you went to, you know, like, there's a lot of great little restaurants in the area that could use the help and that sort of thing, instead of going to McDonald's and taking a picture of your Big Mac, you know, go to uh, the little Mexican place up in Southside and take a picture of your burrito, and, you know, I'll do that. I mean, there's there are positive ways to look at anything. You know, right. it's just, it's a matter of actually doing it. Well, let's, let's pass it down. Like, do you do you do you want to expound upon that question? Um, I think just a little bit. Uh, I think that we really went from there was a shift at some point of music being less of a commodity and more of a service type deal. You know, whereas um, you are now in the service industry, you're a musician. Um, you're probably not going to sell a lot of CDs physically, but you're going to make your money on playing shows. Um, it, and you see that in the most prevalent way in the rap industry. Jay-Z never did concert tours. You know, Eminem never did tours. Um, Hip-hop is touring now, because they're not selling like they were. You know what I mean? Um, so I, I think, I mean, and record labels are taking a cut of that now. 360 deals in the 80s, somebody would have laughed at you. You know, like, we're going to sign you, you're going to go out on tour, and then you're going to pay us part of your guarantee for the night and part of your t shirts. That thing, on anything you make. On anything, yeah. yeah. Grass, they get a part. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, you're going to make money. If you're making money, we as regular are going to take That didn't exist. That wasn't a thing, you know, um, and now it is because they're not physically buying it, but, you know, record labels aren't going under like you think they are because now you're big. Jay-Z is doing tours. That's all, you know what I mean? Like, that, that he never toured, and he was the biggest rat. Like, he's rich as anybody, you know? So, I mean, there's other things that he does, sponsorships and everything like that, but, the, but also the people who are still touring and successful and making money never signed a 360 deal, and that's why they're so well off. So I really think we, we, we had a, a paradigm shift, and um, I believe some of that on MySpace. You know, it was a big boom and bust thing there, um, you know, and, and that also, the same thing can be related back to our scene. Um, I remember being in high school, and there was, like, one band in my high school. There was one band. And then I remember having my venue, and, like, my little sister was, you know, in high school at that time, and there were more kids in bands than there were, like, playing sports and stuff. You know, it was the thing for the West. We saw this big boom of bands when MySpace was like at its height and everybody thought you could have MySpace and get signed and yada yada and then you just saw that collapse right off on itself and it, everything, the bottom dropped out you know, kind of along with the stock market everything just dropped out and now it's, the entire industry is in a rebuilding phase again you know, as far as on the local level you know, like, like how many bands, there's not as many, remember you guys were there like in 2008 you know, 2005 to 2008 everybody was in a band, there was Millions of bands, and there's still a lot of bands in this area per capita, which is awesome. You know, I live in Harrisburg, not close to as many bands to, 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 to draw from. I don't know if that's a good or a bad thing. Here, I think it's good because that's the culture we've always had. Um, but um, 
it's it's just a whole different paradigm to it. I think everybody's still trying to figure it out and see see what's going on. Great. Do you want to answer that about the synergy of everybody like working together, or, and then we'll we'll go to another question, and then if you guys have any questions, we'll do that, and then I'll smoke. Well, just kind of to expand upon like the digital media aspect of it. Um, you know, there was a point in time not too long ago that if you wanted to expose yourself to new music, you really only, the only accessible way to get that at it was to go and see the shows. Now with Facebook and everything and Reverb, you can listen to any band in the world at, at the touch of a finger. So I think that that kind of pulls away some of the motivation for people to come out to the shows to expose themselves to the n newer music. Um, the solution to that, who knows, you know what I mean? How, how do we, you know, pull people out of the, that computer kind of mindset and, you know, go out and breathe the fresh air? I had, a, I had a talk, it was a couple weeks ago, there was a band, I forget who I was talking to, and they were having a, like a record release, and they're like, oh, we should live stream that. And I'm like, why would you want no one to show up to your show? Exactly. Just because it's cool doesn't mean you should do it. Exactly. I mean, it's nice to have some, have like a visual record of an occasion like that. Sure. But to put it out like live at the time of that, yeah, that that's definitely detrimental. Not to get people to show this is now. Exactly. Exactly. You're like your shit. And watch this. Exactly. Like I mean, if you're if you're touring internationally, something like yeah, that. Yeah, that's, that's a benefit. But it was like a local show. Okay. Yeah. See that? Yeah. You're definitely killing your crowd with that. Yeah. With the doing that uh, but yeah I mean that the definitely the digital the digital exposure to new stuff it definitely hurts the draw so what do you what do you hope for the future what do I hope for the future yeah. well, in your perfect dream of dreams world well I see a lot of these younger kids starting to come out and there's a lot of like backyard shows and like they were doing stuff at uh, Dunkin Donuts down in Wilkes-Barre and stuff and there's a, there's a certain little spark in that in that generation, I think. One that maybe the generation just a little older than that, maybe that they don't really have. So I'm hopeful that, you know, these kids, that these young kids that are out there doing it, the guerrilla-style shows and stuff, I just hope that they keep their momentum going because, I mean, there's a lot of potential there. I mean, if we can go back to, you know, early 2000s or late 90s and stuff, where you would show up to a place like Metropolis and it was packed from front to back, um, I really think that that would be beneficial. I think really the only way to facilitate that to be beneficial for, you know, the older acts that are out there currently, though, is we need, we need an 18 and older venue that serves alcohol. Um, I think that not having access to a location like that really is kind of, once again, splitting the scene. It's, split, it's splitting it into, okay, the kids go here and then the older people go there. And really everybody would be getting something out of the event, but either you can't drink or you can drink and they won't, they won't allow younger kids there. So I think, I think by giving them the opportunity to expose themselves to the older crowd, I think that that would really put a little bit of wind in their sails. Well, expounding upon that a little bit, maybe you guys can, can you know, attest to something, is, you know, if, if venues and places want to have music, why would they cut off a demo that is primary buyers of music? I.e., you know, 18 and, like, you know, anywhere between 14 and 21, like, those are the people that buy music. Historically. Yeah. So why would you be like, yeah, we're just going to deal with 21 and over? 
Well, because typically I think that the venues aren't really making anything off of the merch, and I think that they don't really take into account that, you know, that is how a lot of these bands are supporting themselves. Um, I think there is a certain disconnect between the venues and the, and the musicians. Um, there's a lot of great spots out there. There's a lot of great spots that are really trying to do it, but they don't have a full grasp of, you know, what the mechanics of, you know, the old cliche packing five thousand dollars worth of equipment into a five hundred dollar car for a fifty dollar yeah. gig. Yeah. You know what I mean? And you know, it would really just in my mind take somebody with enough chutzpah to really just go out and just do it. And sure it's not gonna happen overnight. But you know, six months, nine months down the road where your place is packed every night Sure, some of them are younger kids, but they're comfortable there. Where do you think that they're going to go when they turn to anyone? You know? Joe? As a former... Yeah, I was just going to say, this is a touchy subject for me. Um, owning, an all age, owning an all-age venue with a 21 and over side is, as an owning standpoint, I don't want to say it's the worst thing in the entire world, but it's the worst thing in the entire world. Um, <laughs> you have under 21 kids on one side, well, the way we did it. Um, I was really concerned. I had a little sister that they concert going age, so I did not want, so that's what I said, my little sister had a kid in my bedroom. But what I, want, what I wanted to see was a safe spot for kids where there's no way for them to get alcohol from there. I put a chain link fence down the middle of it. There's no way for you to get a beer through there. Um, so you felt, as a 21-year-old, you, you were in your spot, under 21 was in their spot. And there's no way to prevent it 100%. Um, so now, at the same time you're doing that, you're known as the spot where there's kids. So as a 21-year-old want to come there and drink with a bunch of kids, that's tough. So when you start doing that stuff, you are, that's what you are. You're not a spot where somebody's going to come and have a beer when you don't have a concert. You know, because the night on Thursday, they decided to come and Wisdom and Chains is playing in my place and they walked in and, and ran. You know what I mean? Like, so, you know, Joe Schmo, who just left the Carbonellary football game, drives out around six and wants to grab a beer. He pulls into my place, walks in, and there's a kid, there's like a cover band that just is spitting fake blood out of their mouth. Well, there's 25 little kids there that are loving it. It's awesome. And he walks in and said, I'm never walking back in this place again, you know? So you're completely reliant upon the event. Um, and that's a business model, and it's a business model that works um, when you get it right and, and it gets to a spot, um, and when you can put up with that lifestyle, you know? And it is important, and we had awesome places that were doing it, the staircase of that. But you have to, as an owner, then you have to say, hey, I'm open when I have a show. Um, and then you say, well, my show needs to be supported by local bands. Well, then that's putting a lot of stress on the local events. Um, and it's also putting a lot of stress just on yourself to have a concert every night. And can the areas support a concert every night of the week? You know, um, it, when places worked, it was a place like Catherine Travis from all age. Um, the staircase was great until somebody got hurt and, you know, all that nonsense that happened. Um, I, I don't know how CC's worked if they ever had underage kids. I don't, I don't yeah, think they did. they do it all yeah, these shows? They, yeah. they used to have a bar in the back, chain link fence, yeah. and then stage area up front. Yeah. No alcohol out of the chain link fence. Yeah. Um, well, Voodoo yeah. used to do that too. Yeah, Voodoo. Yeah. I mean, we had, a, we, we had a ton of great venues, but if you look at all the venues that were really great, how long were they there? Metropolis is, a, is an enigma. 
they were there forever and it lasted and it worked. Home base was there for four years. Staircase was there for five years. Um, home base, the zoo, three years, two years. Um, there has to be a model that can sustain itself and there has to be somebody that's dedicated to it. You know what I mean? Um, I was, but I wasn't. <laughs> what do you hope for the future before you get to Reg? Uh, what, what I hope for the future, 100%, is, um, and, and the way I think that, that, that it starts to, to work and is the way it used to work is we need older bands to support the younger bands, the younger bands support the, the older bands. Um, and that's, that's the only way it works because as your fans get older, they, get, they stop coming out as much. So you need the younger kids to like that. You need to refresh your audience. But the older kids also need to get the shows. So you guys just got to help each other out. And I hope that that, that happens. And I, I see it happening with a lot of bands in the area. I see it not happening with a lot of bands in the area. And maybe I'll date myself a little bit right here. And maybe I'll piss some people off. But the only reason that Title Fight is what Title Fight is is because of Cold World. And Cold World put up Title Fight, got them, got them everything that they have. Um, that's not saying Title Fight's not good, um, but. There was a they band. helped each other. They helped each other, yeah. Cold World was the hardcore band in, in the country. You know what I mean? And um, so when it became, well, title fights, Cold World's little brother band. That's how that, that initially started. And then it took on its own thing. But without Cold World, there's no title fight. You know what I mean? Without title fight, there's probably no lens anchors. You know, like those bands helped each other and they put each other on. So, you know, and that can be done on a lesser level. Um, Crazy Downfall can bring out the revolution and, and help them out and, you know, push that band that they can help because they have a built in crowd they can push that to and, and things can develop from there. You know, so that's kind of what has to happen. I hope, hope we start to see it a little bit more. Rich, the future. Is it bleak? Well, I let. <laughs> I don't think it's bleak. Uh, but I, I just want to, I, I, just, to just to to expand upon that for a second. Uh, I think that people need to, whether it's bands, venues, whoever, need to get more creative in their marketing as well, um, in reaching people and talking to people. Uh, you kind of see the same stuff over and over again. Like I'm pretty much friends with a good, like almost all of my friends list on Facebook are are, are, are uh, musicians and. You know, I, I, I follow all the pages all the time uh, to keep up on the news, to be able to report it for the website, things like that. And most of the, the bands kind of market themselves the same way. They just say, hey, like, we have a show, come see it. You know, like, there's no hype involved in it. There's no buildup to it. Um, a lot of times it's like, oh, it's the day before the show and they're inviting people and stuff. And it's, it, you know, Facebook is important and everything, but I mean, I think it should go beyond Facebook as well. I mean, it's just di digital marketing in general. Uh, like, for example, uh, you know, say if a band has uh, a couple new songs out, um, kind of don't release them all at once, kind of put them out maybe one at a time, do uh, what, they, what they call song premieres on different websites, um, like NEPAC does that, and we've had a lot of success with that, where uh, there's more of a hype and, and, a, and there, you know, we'll do like a little mini interview about that song, what does it mean, uh, why should people listen to it, 
offer it maybe as a free download or at the very least a stream that people can, can hear and stuff before the album comes out. And then it kind of builds a little bit of a hype and an interest in what you're doing. And it's like, well, why this song? What's so great about this? And that sort of thing. And maybe people get a taste, they listen to that, and then they want to hear the rest of the album. A lot of times, too, I see a lot of marketing leading up to uh, a big CD release show. You know, and they, they you know, we're, we, we have this new album coming out that's going to be huge. And so you see all, you know, every publication in the area will do a big article on, oh, they have a new album coming out and stuff like that. And then after that comes out, you hear nothing again for like months and months and months. You hear nothing from that band. Or there's no read, like, okay, I went to the big CD show. Why should I go keep seeing them now? Like, I already saw them. You know, like, what's what's the big deal? Why should I keep coming out? So maybe uh, a little, be a little more creative in the way that the shows are presented or marketed. Uh, maybe do themed shows. Maybe do more mixed shows with different kinds of acts together that you wouldn't normally play with. Try something new. Try these, you know, all these little independent festivals that are popping up all over the place. Uh, you know, try to reach new audiences that way. Um, and the venues, I think, too, need to be partners with these, these acts. I see the acts doing all the work. All the musicians are pushing that, and a lot of times, uh, you're lucky if the venue even plugs it on Facebook, and you never, you don't hear a lot about how the, you know the venues pushing their things. A lot of venues don't have websites anymore. I think that's dangerous. I think a lot of uh, bands don't have websites anymore. I also think that's dangerous because we saw what happened with MySpace. Everyone relied on MySpace, and then it died a miserable death, and then everyone moved to Facebook. And so now we're all obsessed with Facebook, but now Facebook limits your posts and how much people can see them. So uh, all the bands have moved there, and now all their band pages are there. And then when the next big thing comes along, then it's going to be that slow, sluggish uh, jump to the next whatever big social media thing is, because it will come sooner or later, uh, hopefully. <laughs> and uh, and we'll, we'll, we'll move on. So I mean, in terms of the future, um, I, I think I think that it's it's getting a lot better. I think uh, there's a lot more unity in the scene now. I think that needs to continue, uh, needs to push forward. And there's a lot of uh, I see just an amazing mix of different kinds of, of acts around here. Like there really is something for everybody's taste. And you hear that, that cliche a lot, like oh we have this and there's something for everyone. But that's becoming more and more true. Where uh, you know you have. Uh, a hip hop scene, you have electronic music around here, like original electronic music, uh, you know, be, being performed live, you know, like, like the, the stuff that you would only be able to see in maybe New York City or Philly. Um, you have original musicians doing that here, and there's just nobody talking about it. And unfortunately, I get a lot of people who come to me who say, no one else will write about me, no one else will promote me, no one else will talk about me because either I'm not connected to somebody or uh, nobody, just nobody cares, you know? And, and I think that's such a bad attitude. I, I think we should always be looking for the next thing. We should always be, uh, you know, see, they, su supporting that, that small act that, you know, is playing an open mic one week, but the following week, you know, they're on big shows. And then you could say that you knew them when, you know? I, I think there needs to be more of that. So, but I think, yeah, there's, uh, there's a lot of positive things going on in the community. I think the scene is better than ever. Um, you know, even uh, from just a few years ago, I think it's more united and uh, more interesting. I think there's just more going on. 
I find that there's too much to go to every week. There's too many things to talk about. There's too many things to write about. There's too many places to be at once. Uh, and I think that's a good problem to have. Um, but maybe, I don't know, maybe we should stream that, streamline that a little bit more, where there's, you know, not 20 things going on on a weekend. You know, I don't know. So, but uh, either way, I, I do think that, that we have a positive future. Do you, think, do you guys have any questions? Anything. Nothing's off the table. Go. To whomever you want. Or everyone. Or yell or whatever you want. Yeah, yeah. How long? Like, from being on like, the musician side of it, like I've been able to work with Joe for a bunch of years at Elder and DC before that, and it was Fagan's. I've only been able to work with Greg a couple times doing promotions. I've worked with Rich pre-Weekender for... Um, <laughs> <laughs> he did a great article for us when we went on tour, and he's actually the only publication that did a full-page article for Absolution when we went on a national tour with a platinum band. So, I mean, he was the only person that touched us. Um, now, like, as you said, like, the bands, the comedians, the indie bands, all these bands have to work together. And on our end, for our band, like, we've had Yanni PAC winners of the comedians do uh, comedy sets in between our sets with multi-genre shows, and the venues went absolutely not. Are you shitting me? No, they were not happy. <laughs> we fought tooth and nail to get one show to do it, and then we said, CD release show, our album's almost done, we're gonna book this in November, Thanksgiving Eve, biggest drinking holiday, absolutely not gonna do it. Just, oh. just not gonna do it. So I guess my big question is like, how do we connect better with the promoters and the venues? Because like, venue's not gonna let us bring in two oh. out-of-state bands that we tour with. He's just not absolutely going to let us do it. We play in Virginia and we play in Maryland. And there are two biggest markets. He's not going to let us. Can I be a douche for a second? Yeah, Joe. It's the same thing. Was like, if I can't do, I can't fit in Thursdays. My band is a five-piece band, and I can't do it. And they won't let me bring in sound. Vinny won't let me bring in two outside state bands. That I'm going to tour with after our record release. I have. Play the new I had and I know it's coming down on me like crazy with the noise order. Here's here's the thing is you're gonna um, I know we, we we have certain venues that we wanna play and I love all the venues in the area. And there's a stigma to that's the venue that's the big venue, but it's your show and you're gonna bring the people in to play make the people come to where you're gonna be. Don't play there. If they if they don't wanna do it, we're the promoter. We'll get you everyone. We'll do the show. Find a promoter that'll get behind you and do it. If you wanna do that, we'll help. I'll put it on the right and do it. I, I don't know if I can get Thanksgiving Eve. I'm not gonna lie to you. You're try real goddamn hard. I'm not gonna be able to get Thanksgiving Eve, I'm not gonna lie to you. <laughs> but I'll do it another weekend. It's you know? just one of those things like, we're you, also, you, like, as a band, we're also on the timeline. Right. Like, See, but, 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 but here's, here's what I want to say. Here's what I want to say to you, too, though, is why do you. You, you don't want to play Thanksgiving Eve. Nobody wants to go see a band at Thanksgiving Eve. They want to, we're, we're in Northeast PA. They want to go to Black Hawk. Yeah. They, they want to go get as drunk as they can, see all their friends from high school. Don't play, don't, don't play your show. Because that weekend is good because everybody's in town. Yeah, play Saturday. See, we, the last this Saturday. This is like a, we played our first show ever on Thanksgiving Eve. So the last three Thanksgiving Eve, three years straight, we've done over 200 to 300 heads. So it's our biggest night because we promote it as an anniversary show plus a CD release. All the colleges left have Thanksgiving Day off. It's every biggest day though. I, I, I don't, just as I own the bar, I didn't do bands on Thanksgiving Eve. I did 
a mechanical bull and five line reunion show. You know what I mean? Like, no, I love you guys. Yeah. I wanted to book John Thanksgiving Eve. I had a book, a cover band that the kids in my town went to high school with as a business standpoint. And that's nothing against any type of music. It's just, or, or, find, or, or find a venue that will let you do it. You know, you get the, like I said before, you have to find the venue that's specifically for that type of show on that night where that's what they're doing, you if, know? If I could talk out of turn, because I'm not on this panel, I'm just the asshole that they found to get up early enough to do it. Um, I, I, don't, I don't think that, um, and this is, this is coming from both sides of the aisle, from the venue side, from the band side, right? I don't think that either side realizes how much they need each other. Absolutely. And I think, and I think, if you don't have bands, you don't have a venue. If you don't have a venue, you don't have bands. You're doing shows in Dunkin' Donuts parking lots, which is awesome, but they're doing it there because no one has, none of the venues have faith in that, which is sad. But at the same time, the venue's a business, just like the band is. You don't want to keep working, I'm not saying anyone works at Starbucks, but you don't want to keep working at Starbucks to help facilitate the fact that you want to play music as a career. That's a job. You need to make money doing that, especially if you want to do something you love. You do something you love, you never have to work a day again in the rest of your life. The, the venues and the bands need to come, I don't know if we need to get senators or, you know, and start our own little galactic republic to figure out who can represent who to get the bands and the venues on the same page to have somebody be the go-between. I've been thinking about this for like two years. I'm like, why is nobody, why aren't all these people at the same table trying to talk about eating the same meal? I always feel it's like a communication issue. Because even like back in the day, like with Ella Ravenson, when we were on tour, we got offered to do a 10-year show. And it's like, yeah, we really want to do this show, but like I'm not even near Pennsylvania for three and a half weeks. I I can't get there. And at the same time, I'm an independent band, so I got to sell tickets, which is fine. We're okay with selling tickets. We have the fan base to support it. But how am I physically going to get these tickets to these people when I'm not even in the town, you know, three days before the day? You're not. And I think, and I think that, like, Joe and I have worked together, I think, really well, yeah, where it was like, hey, absolutely. if you wear Absolution swag to the door, this count as ticket sale, you know. Which we is a better idea than marketing, which yeah, is a great exactly. idea. Like, we're just looking to be a part of the show and build our base to make sure our hometown is still our home base. And Joe's still trying to get, you know, a not shitty band that's going to draw on the show, I think. I assume that would be it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, I feel that's great, but, like, after, like, Elmer Rigby's went down, that never happened again. Sorry. Like, I never had another promoter I could talk to until, like, I went to Virginia, and I told, you know, the owner of the Blue Box, I'm like, listen, we're a good band, we have, like, some leftover fan base draw in this area, I can maybe bring in 20 people, but I'm not looking for big money. This is three months later, we sold the place out. This is going to sound incredibly shitty. Yeah. Just so you know. Um, and, I, and I'm not trying to take anybody else's time. You guys are pros at this. I'm not. I'm, I just... Northeast PA is a great place. It's a great place to, to grow. It's a great place to raise a family. It's a great place to have a business. It's a great place to have friends. Okay? But 99.9% of the rest of the world is outside of here. And I don't know why everyone is focused on the 0.1% and not the 99.9%. That always fascinates me. Where it's like, oh, I, I, we're going to have a show in town. Why? Like, why aren't you playing Binghamton? Why aren't you playing Harrisburg? Why aren't you playing Maryland? Why aren't you playing Pittsburgh? Why aren't you playing, you know, Vermont, New Hampshire? Like, you have a whole eastern quadrant that you could you could play at, especially if you want to be a band. And do it as a living, as something you love. 
because you're in a really fortunate position to be very good at something that you enjoy to do, that you could make money at, which means you're not gonna have the nine to five, which means you're not gonna have the drinking problem, which means you're not gonna have the 2.5 kids, which means you're the master of your own destiny. I don't know why everyone is so focused on the 0.1%. That has always bothered me, and I'm guilty of it just like everybody else. I have a video production company here, and I'm like, what can I get clients in Scranton? And I'm like, there's 49 other states I'm in one county. I'm worried about one county in one state that has 50, 60 counties in it. Like, why? Like, that's the thing. Like, the perspective of it. I don't think there's a grasp of that. See, now, that's part of that, too, though. I mean, you're absolutely right. The out of state, if you're really going to be pushing your band and you really do want to make it like a career, I mean, there are mechanics in, in motion to do that. You need to be able to make the contacts with these out of state bands. And sometimes you gotta be willing to, you know, play that show where you're not gonna make money once, maybe twice, and start building that fan base. But the other side of that is also you gotta give you gotta give the return favor show. And when you're bringing these other larger acts to the area, you need to push that back like you're pushing your own act. And that I mean, once again, they need to show that willingness to, you know, play for maybe a little bit less to get their name out and established in the area and then get the bigger shows in that area. But when you're playing with these out-of-state bands, they absolutely have to be pushed the same way that you would push your own band. It's, it's a huge part of that. Um, we have to wrap it up because Jack Rats is in the back staring me down. <laughs> Um, we're gonna take five. I'd like you guys to give it up for Greg, Joe. Do you have any other questions, though, real quick? Just I don't want to cut anybody off if they have a question. Well, we're, I, I think we're leading into a point where, like, the cost of doing business I think it's would be very good. Because yeah. that's the next one. If you guys want to stick around, I'm gonna be frank and honest about money. <laughs> which people, like, which I might lose all my business after and, this. And, and being in a band. Yeah. Um, so if you guys can stick around, I'm gonna go to smoke. Uh, but please put your hands together for Greg, Joe, and Rich. And check out NPAC and make sure you go to all the shows this weekend. And um, I'm a cancer. What's that? <laughs>